King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heaven lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watches, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will, and sets it over the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven 
and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O King, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king... Let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. At the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right, and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Thus says the Lord. Please keep your Bibles open. Thank you so much for reading that. That was a long p- passage, wasn't it? But well done for, for breaking it up for us and making it 
easier to tell who's speaking at different points in that passage because it does go from Nebuchadnezzar to the narrator uh, to, the, to the messenger from heaven and then back to Nebuchadnezzar at the end there. Are we all right to go? You're going to fiddle. Okay, great. Um, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which we've just had read. Uh, thank you so much that you're the God who speaks to us, who interrupts our thoughts about ourselves and about our existence and all that matters. Thank you that you interrupt that and you speak so that we would know what you were like, so that we would know you. And we pray that you would help us today, that um, you'd keep us focused as we look at your word together. Would you help and um, prepare our hearts to respond to what you are saying? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We do like an autobiography, don't we? When someone says, um, I'm going to tell you about something that's happened to me. We sort of listen a bit more intently, don't we, than if someone says, oh, we're going to tell you about something that happened to them over there. Um, That's why we often pick up an autobiography and we read about these people who have had success, stardom, earlier on in their lives, and now they're in their later years. They want to tell you about what's been going on, what's happened in their life. We, We like to hear it from the person themselves, don't we? There's something engaging about the fact that we get to hear their own interpretation, their own reflections on what's been going on. And that's exactly what we have in chapter 4 of Daniel. It is from Nebuchadnezzar. Quite a big chunk of the chapter is him speaking. Uh, Up until now, we've heard a lot about what's been happening to Nebuchadnezzar as king and what Nebuchadnezzar himself has done regarding Daniel and the friends. But now we get to hear from him directly we know that don't we from verse one it says king nebuchadnezzar to all peoples nations and languages that dwell in all the earth that's who he's speaking to is all peoples nations languages everyone us and nebuchadnezzar speaking to us it's like he's sitting us down and and having a chat it's like we get to ask him these kind of questions. Like Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar you, what, were, what were you like before? What did you think of God before? What changed? What happened? And he'll get to, and we'll hear his answers to that question. Um, as we've heard that Bible passage read. So we get to ask him, we get to hear it from him. And, and what would Nebuchadnezzar's three-word summary B. It would be, God humbled me. If you want a slightly longer one, six, six words, I was proud, God humbled me, that would be what he'd say to us. If we're asking what, what were you like, what changed, that would be what he'd say. We know that, don't we, from the end of how the chapter ends up. If you look down with me at the very last verse of the chapter. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honour the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. He's not just talking generally there. I mean, it is true that God does that for all peoples, but he knows. He counts himself in that. Those who walk in pride, that's me. God is able to humble. 
So he's going to uh, tell us about this um, as we go through. God humbled me. God humbled me. Um, so we have this vision that troubled Nebuchadnezzar. He knows that Daniel, from previously, is the guy who can help him to understand what God is saying to him or to understand what it's about. So he calls him forth. And um, I didn't plan this. I didn't cut down the tree, okay? It wasn't me. No, you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, it just so happens on the week we're doing a vision about a tree being cut down. There's a, there's a big tree that's being cut down, um, and it's all over the newspapers, but it wasn't me, okay? That, that's a long way to go. That's a big round trip just for a sermon illustration. But um, this is the vision. Um, a great tree, fully grown, reaching to the heavens, fruitful, all the birds gathered to it, glorious. I mean, the amount of fuss that we were made out over that tree, because it, because it is beautiful. There's something glorious about it and its position. Um, and then, of course, we hear the second part of the vision. Um, the, the, the watcher, straight from heaven. The voice comes from heaven, chopped down the tree. And then the tree gets chopped down. And uh, then we have um, Daniel giving the interpretation, and it's pretty simple. It's you, O king. Um, Notice he doesn't really sort of like um, gloat or sort of, he's not sort of overly pleased about the fact that it's going to be the king. He's not sort of saying, ha, ha, ha. He's saying, oh, I wish this was about one of your enemies, O king. He's compassionate. (laughs) The fact that he knows that this this is bad news for the king. He's not gloating. He's not saying, ha, ha, ha. He's saying, oh, I wish this wasn't true. But this is you, O king. This is you. Just as the tree was going to be cut down and the, 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 the stump was going to be left to, in the Jew, um, so the king's sanity would be taken away from him. And he would be cast out for seven periods of time. And he would uh, eat the grass of the field and be amongst the Jew of the he- and and that would be how God would provide for him during that time. But it's it's humiliating. It's you, O King. That's what Nebuchadnezzar hears. Um, he gets the interpretation. He even gets um, he even gets some counsel from Daniel. If you look down with me um, at verse nine, uh, verse twenty-seven. Sorry, have a look down at verse twenty-seven. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there might, may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. What Daniel's saying here is quite consistent with the prophets in the Old Testament. They didn't say that um, Ju- Judah or Israel could, could, could avoid exile altogether avoid God's judgment, but they could, by repenting and by stopping doing the things that they were doing which were wrong, there would be a delay before that, that day came. And so Daniel's saying, perhaps, perhaps if you, if you start living the, the way that God wants, then there would be a lengthening, lengthening of these days before this day comes. However, it wasn't to be. Um, Nebuchadnezzar did get 12 more months, 
but he didn't use them to repent or to turn to God for help. Um, So later we meet him on the roof of his palace. And this is a point from which he could see all of Babylon. He could stand and he could look out and he could see everything he had accomplished. And it was amazing. It was it was beautiful. It was spectacular. Um, it was a city where these walls were like 27 feet thick. You can still, some of it is still there. I mean, a lot of it has fallen down, but Iraq, in Iraq. And, and so he says this, but what Nebuchadnezzar sees in that is his own greatness. What he sees in that is his own greatness. He says this, he makes his boast out loud so we know what he's saying. Isn't this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Thank you. Um, You could take each part of this sentence. Um, It's a textbook description of pride. And I think we do need to take every part of this sentence because it's about human pride. And we have that pride. Um, so I'm just going to break it down a bit. Um, isn't this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power? Um, you could say this has come about all, uh, all by my effort. This thing has happened because of me. Yeah? And then he says, uh, for my royal residence, so this is all for me to enjoy. Anything that's going to come as a return from this, is, is for me. It's all for me. And this is a testimony to how great I am. So, this is so everyone can see that I am great. They can look at Babylon and they can think, I am great. Let's have a look. It was spectacular. So this is a place you can go visit. This is the Ishtar Gate. Um, one of the f- many gates, but probably the most spectacular, leading into Babylon. And they do a New Year procession down this high road that goes through Babylon as they enter through that gate. Um, That's where it would have been, so you can see the straight road down the middle. Um, This is some of the bits that are still left today. Um, So, you know, still pretty impressive, still pretty huge, uh, considering. Um, And that's the scale of it all. And that's the picture. That's that's sort of the the river running through. So it was a beautiful place, and he'd he'd enjoyed military success. He had no, no one attacking him anymore. He could look out and he could say, all the building work's finished, the city is completed, and what he sees in it is his own greatness. And he says, this has come about by my effort. This is all for me to enjoy. And this is a testimony to how great I am. It's a textbook description of pride, isn't it? We could take that and we we could put it even more simply. This, whatever it is, This was all down to me. This is all for me. And this is for all to see. That's what you're saying. This is all down to me. This is all for me. And this is for all to see. And without God, of course it is. Of course it is. And I think we need to spend some time on this because we hear kind of the loud boast and we think, well, that's not my style. Okay, I'm not the kind of person to look at the mirror and say, you look amazing, you know. But the loud boast doesn't have to be loud. It could be very quiet. It could be an inward thought. 
This was all down to me. This is all for me and for all to see. And we may not have the whole of Babylon to boast in, but we do have our lives and what we consider to be impressive about our lives. I wonder what it would be for you. Isn't this great career? Isn't this great career progress? Isn't this great family life? Isn't this great um, academic achievements? Isn't this great bank balance? That I have built for myself. It's all down to me. It's all for me. And it's for all to see. It's important for us to see that, isn't it? That's the, that's the pride that's on display here. And yes, we wouldn't be like Nebuchadnezzar sort of strutting our stuff and shouting it out. But the inward boast, it says exactly the same thing. And that's the human problem. Um, not giving glory to God for, for all of it. Actually wanting some of that glory to go our way. And we've all done that in different ways. We've redirected his glory. We've stolen glory. It's his. This was all down to him. It's all for him and for all to see him, not to see us. At this root of sin is pride. And Nebuchadnezzar said it. He said, I was proud. I thought that. That's what I thought about myself. That's what I thought about my life was, it was all for me. And to sin, we do have to believe that we are the makers of our own world, that we get to decide what is good, not God. So pride, it's about pride, isn't it? And and Nebuchadnezzar said, I was a proud man. What changed? God humbled me. God humbled me. And it was for his good. So um, let's look at that, for my good. The The humbling of Nebuchadnezzar was for his own good. Without a doubt, it was painful, humiliating, but it was for his own good. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Nebuchadnezzar to meet God, thinking himself to be, to be great? The greatest, even. Can you imagine what it would have been like for him? What an awful shock that would have been. And it's true that the humbling will come, if not in this life, when we see God face to face. The humbling will happen one one way or another, in this life or the next. What Nebuchadnezzar experienced was incredibly painful. I think this is a William Blake painting. I don't know my paintings, but this is a painting you can see. The humbling of Nebuchadnezzar. It's the exact opposite, and I think it's important because it's the exact opposite of what his boast was. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Oh, look at all that I have for myself. And now he's forced to just take a little bit of the earth, of what God provides in making the grass grow, of the dew that comes almost in the middle of the night and miraculously from heaven. He's... He's getting the direct opposite of what he was thinking. 
He's, he's helpless. He's humiliated. He's clearly not great. God is the greatest. God is the one who can do these things. God is the one who humbles those who walk in pride. Um, but it isn't only for Nebuchadnezzar's good that God does this. In fact, it's, it's not even mostly for Nebuchadnezzar's good. It's actually for God's glory. God humbled me for my good and for his glory. At the end of it all, Nebuchadnezzar is able to say, I praise and extol and honour the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Praises are heard from a man who was well known for his aggression against an opposition towards this God. He's just, <laughs> he's just done the, you know, the throwing them in the furnace thing. And he's well known for that. And now some people will try and say this is Nebuchadnezzar's continued madness. He's still mad going on about this God of heaven. But that's the only alternative. That's the only explanation they can have for this turnaround, isn't it? It's a bit like Paul, isn't it? A man who was opposed and trying to kill every Christian he could put his hands on is now suddenly speaking of the one who he tried to destroy. It's for God's glory. No one can really... The only other explanation is this guy's lost his mind. If not that one, they have, we have to admit that God has done this. God has turned this man around. God chooses to save the one that in human terms, people can't say they've had just a sudden change of heart or softened the idea of, of this over time. No, it's just not, not true, is it? They were going completely the other way at 90 miles an hour. And God does this so his glory is on display. So that everyone can see that God has done this. That he is the one who can humble proud people. And this man, this man God causes to declare his praises. Of all the people. He says, Nebuchadnezzar is going to praise me. Saul is going to praise me. Well, what does this mean for us then? If God is, God humbled him for his good and for his glory. It's a long time ago now. It's, a, it's an old story. <laughs> What's God doing today? Well, God is humbling the proud today. And he's doing it through the gospel. The way in which he humbles proud people is he does it through the gospel. The gospel tells us of how Jesus is king and that he came down from his eternal throne. He entered humanity and he humbled himself to that status, to be born in a stable, to grow up and to give his life on a cross, to allow humanity to, to put him to death. He humbled himself like that. He was the great one, the king of kings, the lord of lords. And he humbled himself, even to death, to forgive sinners. 
that bursts our pride. It bursts our pride. The gospel bursts our pride because it reveals the truth that we are not the impressive ones we think we are. We are wholly unimpressive to God. We may be able to impress other people, but we're wholly unimpressive to God. So unimpressive that we need Jesus to save us. From the greatest in society to the least. From the most able to the least able. From the oldest to the youngest. And that's going to be a painful thing to realise. It was for Nebuchadnezzar. This whole humbling was painful. Difficult to go through. But painful as it is, see it as God's kindness to us. Because if he humbles us now, by his gospel, we won't face the humbling that is to come. And which is more painful? Which is going to last for longer? Surely it's going to be the humbling that would be a shock, a surprise, when Christ returns. And this humbling that God is doing now, through his gospel, it will be painful. But it is good. He is kind. If that's you hearing it for the first time, see it as his kindness to you, that he would humble you. And ask him to help you to see yourself in this way, in, his, in the way that he sees you. Helpless, hopeless, yet loved. The one who needs saving. And ask him to see, help you to see all that you have as what he has given to you. We sang about it before, or we prayed about it before. Not what you have earned for yourself. To want the glory for your life to go to him. Because he really deserves the glory. He deserves all of it. And if you have been humbled by God through this gospel, the simple but wonderful job we have is to tell others six words. And I asked you to think about your own testimony beforehand. And I, my guess would be that part of that testimony would be to say that there was pride in me. And that God had to, had to humble me to see something of, that would humble me, my need for saving or my need to be forgiven or that I wasn't right with him. So you can say six words. You can say, I was proud. God humbled me. And the good thing is he can do that for anyone. He, did, he could do that for even Nebuchadnezzar. And so it's a wonderful thing we get to do. We get to say that, that God did that. Um, So with Nebuchadnezzar, we can say, those who walk in pride, God is able to humble. Let's pray. Father, you are the God of all. You are the God of us. We confess we are proud. I confess I am proud. I think often that this um, this church is my doing. It's all for me. 
for people to see how great I am. And you know that, Lord, and you know the secrets of our hearts. Help us not to hide from you. Please, would you humble us? Thank you that you have humbled us through the gospel to see that we are not good, that we are so unimpressive to you that we need saving. We need one to die. Please, with that humility, continue to fuel our praise of you. Would we continue to exalt you because we have been brought low? And yet we know that by being brought low, you are going to exalt us when Jesus returns. Please, would you help us to say those six words? I was proud. God humbled me. In Jesus' name, amen.